This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Man, do we have a nice episode of the Mandatory Samson podcast today. I was really feeling it. Joey, you thought it was a good one, too, right? I thought it was a great one. What are we talking about? Rex Tillerson, abortion bills in Ohio. Climate change again. A typo that changed the world. Aleppo. we got a lot going on in this episode. Really good one. Stick around. I think you're going to enjoy it. Welcome to the Mandatory Samson Podcast. This is Chris Flannery. It's Joey Noe. It's Matt Weiss. How we doing, guys? Fantastic. Glad to be back after missing last week. Yeah, what the fuck? What happened? I have other things going on in my life. I'm sorry, Chris. Unacceptable. Uh... We do have a nice show lined up for the Samsonites today, Joey. I'm pretty excited about this one. I don't know. I feel like last week maybe I was off a little, or I don't know. I got angry with you at some points. I'm excited about today's show. Let's do it. What exactly are we discussing? Well, Wisconsin recount results, climate change, Aleppo, abortion bills in Ohio, a typo that changed the world, a pair of transitional quick hits, which will lead into... The final segment of the program, a Trump administration update. Before we do any of that, we got two emails I want to get to. I do want to say this. We have just, just an update on the MSP holiday schedule. Ooh. We got some things going on. You know, I want to make sure people know when the show's going to be coming out or when it's not and all that stuff. 1223. Yes, we have an episode. Don't nice. you worry. 1230. Probably going to do one, but you're not going to be here, Joe. You're going to be in Nashville. Is that correct? That is true. All right, so we'll figure it out. Maybe me and Matt will do one, or I'll do it by myself. Whatever, we'll figure it out. Or maybe I won't do it, but we'll let you know next week. I'll probably end up doing it. January 6th, no program, because I'm getting married on the 7th. I'm not I'm Ooh, taking off congratulations. He, he acts like he's literally not the co-best man. Are you, are you saying your <laughs> wedding is more important than this podcast? Yeah, to, to one of the people involved in that wedding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen. Uh, oh, I, thought it was, I thought it was Joey. <laughs> yes, it was Joey. <clears throat> January 13th. No, I'm going to be in the Bahamas. That's two back-to-back weeks. What do you want me to do? I'm getting married. I'm going on vacation. The world could change in those two weeks without us. Well, no, it's going to change with or without me, so yeah, I don't have to really mm, worry Good about point, it. Yeah. good point. I'd assume things change every week, Joey. Right. But anyway, then we'll be back on the 20th of January, okay? so But I'll keep updating you guys, but I just want to let you know that's uh, sort of how this thing is going to operate. Here we got some emails. So I mentioned it last week. We got one from Jolene, and let me read Jolene's email And then I'll explain what what happened with this situation. She says, hey, guys, I'm enjoying the podcast. I started listening after hearing Chris on the J Train podcast. That's right. Which I started listening to after hearing Jared on Betch Slapped, which is another podcast uh, on the Stand Up Labs network. Uh, Interesting route to get to a political podcast. And she put a little smiley face. Yes, it is. But I don't care. Welcome. In response to an email that you read on uh, 105.5, emails and other stuff, about automation and the future of the workforce, I wanted to point you in the direction of this Jacobin article about the four futures possible after capitalism. Joey, did you read this article? I did. You read the whole article? No. No, you skipped through it. I'm going to say this. I appreciate the email from Joe. There's some more. We're going to get to it. But yes. I started, I swear to God, I started reading the article. I found it dry. I had a hard time getting through it. 
I, you know, I skimmed through it. I kind of got the idea, and there's there's a part of it that I particularly like. So I guess we could talk about that. Okay. And I actually think it's something that we've talked about, or I've talked about, and kind of thrown it out on the show a while back. So we can get into that in a minute. So anyway, so she links to the article. Then she says, he talks about the dual crises of climate change and automation and how, in his opinion, these two issues will lead to the end of capitalism as we know it. The four possible futures he envisions are communism, socialism, rentism, and exterminism. Rentism and exterminism retain current class structure while communism and socialism, socialism, uh, socialism do not. Socialism and exterminism assume permanent damage to natural resources, while uh, communism and rentism assume resources remain abundant. It's a fascinating read. If you get a chance, I'd appreciate your thoughts. Uh, Jolene, thank you for finding us. You took a crazy route to get here, but you're here, and I hope you stay. Um, thank you for the for sending the article. I, I'm sorry. I did have a hard time like getting through it. It just wasn't... Uh, it was interesting, but it was very academic. It was like very. It was an. It was really an essay. It was hard for me to get through it. But well, do you have any thoughts on it, Joe? Before I get to this part of it, well, there was actually one thing that jumped out at me. Sure. And it's not the first time I've heard it. It was a quote from Angles, who you know is a friend sure. of mine. Yeah. Bourgeoisie society stands at crossroads: either transition to socialism or regression into barbarism. Yeah. Care to what do you think that means? Uh, either we come together and find a better way to redistribute the resources, or we just care each other. Well, it's yeah, I mean, the, the 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 struggle for resources is either going to save us or end us, you know what I mean? That's that's kind of the point. If we can figure out a way to actually because the United States particularly yeah. uses up. I guess, you know, a fifth of the world's resources or maybe more than that when we don't have that amount of the world's population. So the idea of scarcity and the idea where people are like we're overpopulated, we're not really overpopulated. We just have people, too many people in cer- certain areas, right? It's an issue yes. of uh, geography, which of course is not the easiest thing in the world to be like, hey, you're moving to North Dakota. You're moving to, you know what I mean? But, but there is plenty to go around. It's just a matter of figuring out how that works and potentially taking a profit motive out of it, which is a bit of what is described in this um, essay. Yes. The thing that I found interesting about it, there's a reference to this guy, Corey Doctorow, which is very weird because it came up in this article. Corey Doctorow. He's a sci-fi novelist and essayist. Never heard of the guy. Then I'm going through my Twitter feed and somebody that I follow posts an article by him. And then later he responded to ta Coates' new uh, Atlantic piece, which I started reading and I love ta huh. Coates. So I was like, well, the universe wants me to look into this guy. Yes. So this is interesting. So I bookmarked him and I'm going to do some research into it. But in this article, it references a book he wrote called yes. Down and Out in the Magical Kingdom. And it imagines a post-scarcity world, meaning automation, everything. People have the basics, the necessities that they need, and people don't have to work. But there's there's yes. no scarcity. Uh, that is set in a recognizable extrapolation... Oh, Jesus Christ. Extrapolation. What a moron. Extrapolation of the present-day United States. Just as in Star Trek, material scarcity has been superseded in this world. But Dr. O grasps that within human societies, certain immaterial goods will always be inherently scarce. Reputation respect, esteem among one's peers. Thus, the book revolves around uh, various characters' attempts to accumulate woofy, 
W-H-U-F-F-I-E, which are a kind of virtual brownie points that represent the goodwill you've accumulated from others. Woofy, in turn, is used to determine who holds authority in any voluntary collective enterprise, such as in the novel Running Disneyland. So that's... good. So that means Trump is running Disneyland? No. Um, Because nobody respects them. (laughs) Oh, Um, okay. It's an interesting... That's a really interesting concept to me. I I think I'm actually going to check out that that novel. That sounds really cool. And it's something I talked about before on the show, where at a certain point, when people like Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs... They have the robots do the work for you. Well, no. when, When they get to a level of success, or Trump even, really, when they get to a level of success... Trump's not the best example, and here's why. When they get to a level of success and and wealth and all this stuff for having created something that benefits humanity, why don't we just say, you know what? You've hit the level of everything is free. You know, food, shelter, all yeah. that stuff is free for you because you've done enough. Stop. You don't need to collect $4 billion. You want to go to a restaurant and eat there? It's free. You want an apartment? You want a house? It's free. Like that type of idea, which is sort of what this is generally. You know what I mean? Where Where resources aren't clogged up by a handful of very successful people because they've already achieved a level of success and respect and everything that they don't, everything becomes free at a certain point anyway for them. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of an interesting concept. I kind of, you know, I find that interesting. I am it's also like karma point. It's also like Reddit, you know what I mean? Like uploading yeah. and stuff. That's what it sounds like. I am definitely going to check into the book because that seems like something I might find very interesting. Oh, absolutely. That was very cool. So I, Jolene, I, I apologize. I didn't read the rest of the article. I got, you know, I kind of got the point, but, um, you know, that part was certainly interesting. I'm definitely going to check out Cory Doctorow's work. I, I appreciate it. I, I I do know we mentioned it before. Yeah. But do you think it is going to be the point where a lot of the late jobs that have been created in this country have been service or retail related? And there's a feel that a lot of the new machines are going to take away those jobs that were just created. Yeah. Well, that's the, I, I think that's another point of the you know, the essay, like it's a reality. I th- I think that at a certain point in the future, we're going to have to find a way to occupy people's time and get them the resources that they need to live, housing, food, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, potentially without wages, without labor, like there's going to still always be a labor force. There's always going to be jobs and things like that. But to what extent, I don't know. And I- I've talked about it a number of times that I think, a much more modern, like highly technological agrarian society where you kind of live again in these smaller communities. You use bartering or whatever. Joey's in charge of crops. You're in charge of this. You're in charge of that. And that's what you do to occupy your time because there is no other, like you're just wasting your labor going to jobs that could be done more efficiently, more effectively mm-hmm. by machinery. What, what You know what I mean? That's well, sort of how I see it. Got well, <clears throat> same thing goes for farming, though. Like you're saying go live in an agrarian society. If you send everyone out to the farms, just have them work in the farms, there's machinery, machinery that can do that a lot easier, more efficiently, quicker. Yeah, that's true. But I think, I also think that, yeah, I don't know, this is kind of a crazy thing to say, but I feel like I feel like time is accelerating to a certain extent. I think with technology and with the pace of the media and with all this, I think things are speeding up. And I think some aspects of society can be slowed down and that could be one of those things. I don't think we need to massively and hyper quickly produce corn. You know what I mean? Like those things can be done or whatever, you know, I'm just using that as an example. Don't get me started on corn because I think fuel ethanol is a stupid thing, but that's a whole other thing. Corn, whatever, but I'm saying, but it, but like in a, in a situation where 
you know, you're living on more farmland or whatever, and you, you live in more of a tight knit community, you really only have to help the people in your community as opposed to trying to feed the entirety of the country with factory farming and, you know, like you're talking about corn subsidies and all this crap. So, but before you can get to that point, you have to change all of society so you can get the land that people can live on when they're just, if you want to make, have them be no, sub- look at, subsistence look at, farmers. Well, look and- at Detroit. That's going to happen to Detroit. I think they're going to take huge swaths of Detroit and turn it back into farmland. But uh, you could turn Manhattan, you could just go to the top of buildings and turn it into farmland. There's plenty of opportunity to do it. It's just a desire to do that. And I mean, also, if you try to actually do that, then Monsanto's going to get rather rather angry with you if you're trying yeah, to take well, away look, their profits. Yeah, well, look, I mean, this is so a it's, fucking... It's, it's yeah. be a, you have to do the whole a societal change. Like, something's going to have to change. I don't know the answer to the next to automation in the next... Right, well, here's the answer. No, 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 no. Here's the answer. The market would take care of itself. Yeah, that's such a crazy idea, man. It's so nuts when people say that. You know, it's so crazy to me. Well, we'll get into it later, I guess, with Rex Tillerson and all that shit. Yeah. But the, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, of course, it would, it would, it's a, you know, a sort of utopian or whatever ideal vision that I have of it. More but, than likely, we're just going to continue along this path where you can have a handful of uber rich people kind of running society. You know, the, as long as they control the means of production, they're not going to be willing to give up the profits, like you're saying. Yeah, and, and like I, I think I, I think it's something like the top thirty like professions in this country have essentially been here in some form for the existence of the country. It's transportation, yeah, stuff like that. It's tra- like transportation, retail, restaurants. Well, and transportation's another aspect of it in my little vision, where you could have people living way farther out in the country, in the middle of the country, where there's plenty of room. If you have hyperloop trains that can get you from place to place in an hour, yeah. you know you can travel to Europe in fucking two hours. That's that that's true globalization. Whereas you can actually then go global that way and then localize economies. So it's sort of reversing it. Now we have a problem of transportation, but we're able to do business around the world very easily by dropping those borders. I say instead, rebuild to an extent the borders of of smaller communities, but allow people to be able to travel all over the world. Joe, you can go work in France. That'd I mean, be awesome. you know what I mean? So yeah. But again, yes, well, this is all fucking ideal. We we elected Donald Trump. So well, you know, who knows? Well, so so you're you're always talking about like how you just want like you're sort of saying you want like America to focus on itself, like t- against like open trade. But if you're also saying that, I'm not really against open well, trade. That's yeah. not necessarily what I mean. I, I'm not, not. I favor very like strong, you know, labor units. I think that's really what it is. I, I think workers should be in control of the means of production, as opposed to having, which you see in Europe in a lot of different ways. I talk about the Michael Moore documentary, Where to Invade Next. Very interesting, and it gives you a good look at how things operate there, where workers sit on the board of, of, you know, Mercedes and all this stuff. It's not a joke. Like, they actually are involved. They sit on the board of Volkswagen. That's why the Volkswagen fuel emission scandal, that's why it came to light, because the workers fucking blew the whistle on them, because they're like, we're not involved in this. So, but the, I'm but, not against yeah, that yeah. idea, but good. But but so, wouldn't, but wouldn't more openness be good in the sense of, like, you're trying to get, if you want the resources that are being overused by America, as you were just saying, if you want to feed people better in India and Africa... Wouldn't it be better to have open trade for that in those senses? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that I think that's also a problem of, you know, other countries need to become more democratic and more, you know, like, look, it's not. A, these, are all, not these are all utopian ideals. That, of course. Like, and that's what, you know, that's what we're talking about. Right. I mean, we're going to shoot for that, but I guarantee that arrow is not going to hit the, uh, <laughs> the bullseye on that, you know. So anyway, interesting conversation. Yes. I want to get to David's email here and then we'll uh, we'll get into the rest of the program. Hey, Chris and Joey and Matt. I think you meant to say and Matt also. With the cyber attacks on the DNC, and now we are learning... What's the matter, Joe? Are you hearing me? Did your headphones pop out? What's going no, on? No, everything's fine. I'm just plugging something into my phone. 
It's got a charge. Oh, with the cyber attacks on the DNC, and now we are learning the RNC, it would make sense for future elections that the federal government uh, equip each and every political party with the highest level of cybersecurity to ensure that such a hack would be much more difficult in the future. We are now in a cyber warfare age, so spending a little bit of money on cyber defense, I don't think it'd be a little bit of money, spending a little bit of money on cyber defense for our political parties only makes sense as they will increasingly become victims of cyber attacks. Whether it comes from Russia, China, or some 400... This is always so funny. People go, oh, some 400-pound guy in his mom's basement. First Stereotypes. Of all, dads own houses and skinny kids hack, okay? That's... Come on. Uh, there will most certainly be more attacks, and it should be up to our government to bear these costs to protect democracy. Best, David. Well, thank you, David. Joe, you got any thoughts on this off the top? Uh, obviously, there was going to have to be a lot of research and development into cybersecurity, right. which I believe Obama tried to do on several occasions. Uh, yeah, I just don't think he ever got the support that was necessary to have it come to light. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the other thing. We're going to talk about like the Podesta email hack specifically mm-hmm. later in the show. That's not a what happened there is not an issue of like we needed to spend a billion more dollars on or whatever. You know, I'm exaggerating, but whatever amount of money on cybersecurity, it was something that was extremely easily avoidable. We're going to get into that later. We are spending money, I think, on offensive cyber attacks, Stuxnet mm-hmm. and all this shit that we put out there in Iran to, to script their nuclear program. You know, there's a lot of things that we've done, and God knows what else we're doing behind the scenes. I don't know if that's really... I'm sure they're spending money on cybersecurity, but I, I don't necessarily think that, like... Ha- First of all, nothing that came... The DNC is not government. That's um, a political part. It's a political organization. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily... It's a quasi-governmental thing because it deals with politics and whatever, but... I don't think the federal government needs to protect the DNC. Let them figure it out if they want to hire a private firm or whatever they want to do. Um, and also the information that comes out of that is interesting information. I don't mind seeing it. It's not great that they're being hacked, but as long as the information is accurate, which it is. But but it, it can be said that it is, uh, again, like hurting American security by it being hacked and by what happened with Russia. Yeah, hacked. so they like, got to so, figure it out. Well, would not be like uh, for his argument, wouldn't it be in America's best interest to look after the security of the nation? Like, if it's going to hurt our nation. Yeah, but I don't think it is hurting the nation. To have more information about John Podesta, I don't think hurts them. To have more information about... Like, they're running for president. That's fine. I really don't mind. I would have rather seen more information come out of the RNC, too. Where is that? Well, the problem is you had this situation like this election where you had a foreign country disseminating certain information in order to try to influence how this country... See, but that's... Again, I I don't like the way that this whole thing is framed up, and I've been reading a lot about it because I don't... You know, I, I don't like the way it's being put out there. WikiLeaks gets information from sources. They vet that information. If it's accurate information, they put it out. That's a big difference than Russia hacking and putting the material out themselves and picking and choosing. WikiLeaks is a journalistic organization. And yes, we talked about it during the campaign. I think that Assange had a bit of a boner for Hillary Mm -hmm. and, you know, he, he wanted to hurt her definitely which is frustrating however the information that he's putting out is accurate there's no proof that any of this shit first of all there's no real hard proof there's no 100 like i can't go yep it was russia i can't there's not enough evidence out there yet and but let's assume it was the information that's going out is accurate none of it is fake information in fact the only bit of fake information that came out not the only bit but one of the things that i read recently it was a Hillary Clinton supporter that wrote a fake article, like pretended to, to like doctor an email mm-hmm. and put it out there to the mainstream media, which ate it up and was like, look, this is a fake email. We can't verify. But it wasn't from WikiLeaks. It was from somebody that supported Clinton to try to 
you know, discredit the yeah. leaks that were coming out. So that's fake news also. You know what I mean? So it's a, we're in a very interesting time there. Well, it's it's what like what's being posted is true, but the problem is it's a fake news in itself that it's part of the story. They're in, in, intentionally misleading you by giving Who's only Who's intentionally ha- misleading you? Like if they're if 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 Russia is able, say if we're saying it's hypothetically Russia, right? If they want to skew the story so the Democrats look bad, they're misleading you by giving only the information on the Democrats. Well, no, they're not misleading the, you. That's but, absolutely not but true. But you said you want the, <laughs> it, like, you want you said you want the, the RNC data too. We didn't get that because they want to influence the story that way. Who are you saying that Russia? Yes. Well, yeah, but apparently the RNC was hacked as well. We're finding out, so we'll see what that and, information. Oh, is. was it I'm, really? I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. that's why we didn't get the information. Like if. Yeah, but that doesn't. I get what you're saying, but that doesn't mean that the information on the DNC is false or not valuable. It just means but it's that not, we would. But we're not getting the whole story as an attempt to influence. But that's our job. It's not the job necessarily of the people that hack the DNC or WikiLeaks necessarily to to be balanced. They're not. They don't have to be balanced. They just have to be accurate, and they were accurate. I feel like. And again, this is a thing that's going to evolve, and we're going to see where it goes. But there's arguments to be made on either side, uh, and I'm not. I'm not particularly crushed by the fact that. You know the RNC or the DNC are hackable. They they have to figure that out. And frankly, what came out in the DNC leaks, the Podesta emails, all this stuff about Hillary, the Goldman mm-hmm. speeches, um, none of it was damning. And and it's the fault of the media and it's the fault of people who are too reactionary that see it and go, oh my god, what's in there that you a didn't know, b if you were going to vote for her, what is what is in there that's going to stop you from voting for her now? Nothing. Right. So that's my that's the point. Now, the to Matt's point, if there was shit coming out of the RNC, could, that could have been damning. Yeah, then it would have been nice to be out there. But I don't think that one necessarily. You, the, the other there's one probably is not, nothing there. Well, it doesn't matter whether there's anything there or not. You have to accurately look at the shit that came out from the DNC, and like we just said, if it's not going to affect your vote, then it's it, it's fine. It's fair game. It should be out there. My, like my only point is that when only one, half the information is coming out, it is. By definition, bias. It is partisan. That's fine. So it's, it's, not, that's it's not fine. a fair news story. It, no, but that's but that's where I disagree with you. It, it might be partisan and biased, but it is still a fair news story. That's the problem. Like just be, as we talked about it during the election and during the debates and all the shit, where when the news doesn't, when the media doesn't call out Trump repeatedly for lying and all this stuff, they're doing that in the name of non-biased journalism. They're wrong, though. It is biased to do that. To, to not call the guy out. Same token. It is biased on WikiLeaks part. We'll, we'll say WikiLeaks are putting the information out there, whoever was putting it out. But that doesn't mean the information is inaccurate. And I think there's a there's a big difference there. Well, it's the, the whole problem with the media, just like they would rather just put out what people say than fact check. And right. we're losing a lot of that. Absolutely. Which is... And so that's again, goes back to the corporate media as opposed to, it's not really WikiLeaks' fault that the media doesn't know, know how to do their job. Anytime you see Julian Assange interviewed, the guy's constantly criticizing the way the media handles things, you know? And he's right. Would you want to hear something media-related that just came out today? Media-related? Sure. Yes. Yeah, and then we're going to get on with the show. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, or Fox, is going to buy Sky. He owns Sky already. Apparently not all of it. Okay, well, whatever. But he controls it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I mean, if, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, he owns Sky Media, I think. I, I thought he owned it as well, so. Yeah. Maybe he's just getting a bigger portion of it. But yeah. But I think he already has a controlling interest anyway. All right. Let's do this. So on Monday, the state of Wisconsin completed its recount, finding 131 extra Trump votes, <laughs> bring his final lead total to 22,748. Pennsylvania and Michigan both rejected a recount bid. That's it, bitches. Um, waste of money. 
Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's it's a sh- you know, it's a show. I, I guess that Jill Stein put on. If it's not a good show, she could have started earlier. I think and probably she should have bowed earlier. Yeah, it just wasn't gonna you know, it just wasn't meant to be, and it wasn't gonna change anything. So, I think I think she made a you know whatever. It was, she tried to make a point. I don't know if she made that point. So, climate change. Right to get into this. Uh-huh. There's some annoying shit. Now, this is what I left out last week. Remember, we had a story that I said I, yes. I skipped by accident. A couple of weeks ago, the Republican-led House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology tweeted a link to an article posted by Breitbart News, which quoted a Daily Mail article titled "Global Temperatures Plunge: Icy Silence." from climate alarmists all right in the article it basically says that land temperatures are decreasing and that climate change is not man-made the daily mail by the way for those of you that don't know speaking of rupert murdoch is a uk-based tabloid murdoch owned and 53 percent of the people that read it are conservatively you know conservative voters the daily mail is a rag all right and i you could see it uh it's fun you know we mentioned the j train podcast a lot of times on total frat move like their news it's like the sensational stuff and it is quoting from like the daily mail or whatever the uh-huh. daily mail is garbage like you have to i mean it's really just it's like the 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 sun or whatever the, the inquirer here it's nothing oh wow that's what it is i mean it's just crap they have naked women on page three which i'm not you know whatever i'm not complaining about that but like that's what it is it's not a fucking it's a magazine it's not a newspaper so take it with a grain of salt they the the problem here is the house committee which is republican-led they're tweeting articles from Breitbart, which is not new, really news either. And Breitbart's just quoting from fucking the Daily Mail. So, okay, it shows you how accurate that stuff is. Scientists did not care for this. I have their quotes in the email. Adam Sobel, who's a Columbia University climate scientist, he says, the temperature goes up for a couple of years. And we have the largest year on record. Then it goes down and it reaches a level that's still well above the 20th century historical averages. Meaning, so right, if we hit a record-breaking high, mm-hmm. the temperature is likely to go down but it's going down to a point much higher than what we've experienced anyway but it's just not record-breaking that in no way disproves anything about the causes of the long-term temperature trends now they they, all these scientists all got together to be like this is fucking insane this is crazy michael mann who's a penn state climate scientist says three consecutive record-breaking warm years something we've never seen before and a reminder of the profound and deleterious impact that our profligate burning of fossil fuels is having on the planet for anyone least of all the house committee on science to at this particular moment be promoting fake news aimed at fooling the public into thinking otherwise can only be interpreted as a deliberate effort to distract and fool the public it is beneath the dignity of anyone holding higher office Mm. carrie emmanuel an mit professor says this is an astounding example of cherry picking the data Global land temperatures fluctuate significantly from one month to the next, and the article in question appears to have cherry-picked a drop on global land temperatures, not including the ocean, which covers 70% of the globe for a single month. You may draw your own conclusions as to motives. So, right, so they're taking the land temperatures, which they're saying is very common for land temperatures to fluctuate, ignoring completely the ocean temperature, which is really what is going to have much more of an impact on this. Uh, and they only took one month's data anyway. So it's, you know, we, we know what they're doing. Meanwhile, no committee spokesman or member responded to a request for comment. They never do. Meanwhile, meanwhile, here's what the president-elect had to say about climate change on Fox News Sunday. I'm very open-minded. I'm still open-minded. Nobody really knows. Look, I'm somebody that gets it, and nobody really knows. It's something that's so hard and fast. I do know this. Other countries are eating our lunch. 
If you look at what, I can name country after country. You look at what's happening in Mexico, where our people are just, plants are being built, and they don't wait 10 years to get an approval to build a plant, okay? They build it like the following day or the following week. We can't let it all these permits that take forever to get stop our jobs. Hey, Donald, I have a question for you. Fuck you, dude. Donald? Yeah. Oh, I'm being Donald? Yeah, 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 Donald. Uh-huh. You do realize... I'm my Polish desert cranberry cider. <laughs> you do realize if we continue in this trend, there won't be any lunch to be had? Maybe. Maybe. I'll eat lunch. I have gold-plated sandwiches that I get served to me by Melania. Melania okay. Trump. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> do, you really, do you really believe Melania does any of the cooking? Oh, absolutely. Melania's a brilliant, brilliant chef. Um, meanwhile, an oil pipe... Listen to this. This uh-huh. really pisses me off. So we just went through this whole Dakota Access Pipeline thing. Yes. By the way, I mean, I'm kind of glossing over this, but this is... The climate change thing is the hidden killer in all this. We are... Like, Trump becoming president this four years... Woof, we, it's going to be a big problem because climate change is going to go unchecked. It is going to go unchecked. All right, all right. Um, you want to play a quick game? Do you remember when Saturday Night Live used to do the thing where they said, I heard it from Tony? No, not really. <laughs> okay, well, it, it was a sketch where they brought somebody in and they said that they heard something, but it was totally like wrong or whatever right, maybe. Okay, yeah. All right, my sources are telling me uh-huh. that Donald Trump and his administration went to the uh, like government science bureau and ask for a list of people that they believed are the uh, people who believe in clim- uh, climate change. Right. If that is true, that sounds like some Nazi shit. Like they're going to go out and maybe make some people disappear. Oh, well, I don't think they're going to make people or blacklist disappear. them yeah, or something. I mean, uh, well, I think we, I think we, uh, okay. I mean, let's rewind a little bit it's not nazi shit okay it's fascist shit maybe but nothing's happened yet and yeah i think we i think we've entered into a time where if somebody doesn't agree with you they're probably they're probably a bad person you know what i mean it's not just well we disagree but you know because facts have just completely flown out the window there is no I think that we really are, and I don't know, we've talked about it, it's like a post-truth or yeah. whatever, but we really are in a position where act- truthful information is sort of, it's subjective now. You do not have to accept fact anymore you, if you don't want to. And I really think we've answered it to that time. To that point, yeah, I think Trump is going to, you know, he looks at anybody, I, I believe it, from his business mentality, the way he he operates, people that disagree with him, unless he wants to consider their point of view, they are enemies of his, and he will do what he can to to just completely discredit those people at hominem or however he's going to do it, um, because it's easier than actually having the argument, and we saw it work yes. very smoothly throughout the whole campaign. So, yeah, I mean, it's things we're going to have to keep our eye on, for sure. Now, we just got finished all this Dakota Access Pipeline stuff. An oil pipeline leak discovered on December 5th, about 150 miles from the Dakota Access Pipeline site, has spilled 130,000 gallons of oil into a creek, 176,000 gallons overall, and could threaten a Sioux tribe's water supply. True Companies, which is the name of the, you know, owns the pipeline, has had 36 spills and 320,000 gallons spilled since 2006. So, isn't that terrific? The, They're we, keeping that pretty quiet, though. That's who's keeping what pretty quiet. That company's keeping the fact that there's 130,000 yeah they gallons listen, just like spewing. The, the, the beauty of this country is that when Trump tweets about whatever, that's going to get the coverage because it's quotable. You can show the graphic. 
nobody's going out to North Dakota to take a picture of a creek with oil in it. Doesn't really look like anything, <laughs> and nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, eh, well, that's hap- You know, that happens. That is what it is. That's the problem. You know, a lot of this stuff does not get covered, and it's going to get covered way the fuck less when Trump is. It was barely covered, you know, under Obama, and Obama actually had an agenda for climate change. Trump doesn't have one at all. So if he doesn't mention it, man, it's going to be very hard to see that shit on TV. Yeah. Well, Dakota Access Pipeline only got started getting coverage once it became the sexy thing. Celebrities were showing up and all that. Right. Which, by the way, is why celebrities show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. People that criticize them, like, oh, they're there for publicity. It's, yes. And, and, <laughs> Correct. Because you're not publicizing <laughs> it. Right. That is why they're there. Yeah. Until it becomes sexy. Like an oil spill in a cr- creek is not sexy. No, the word creek. <laughs> the yeah. only, the sexiest creek I know is Dawson's Creek. That's it. I don't know of any. Other are, are we now now just criticizing creeks openly? Like that's a little. Well, like, generally, look. What, what, what are you feeling on creeks, streams? Creeks need to step up their game. Oh, I'd take a stream any day. It sounds beautiful. It sounds luxurious. Dawson stream. That's what they. Should I have a question. How, how, should I be alarmed that I've never seen an episode of Dawson's Creek? Yeah, I mean, it explains a lot about you. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've wow. seen episodes. It's you know, it was very fast paced, witty banter back and forth. Pacey, Joey, you know, good looking people having problems. Okay. Good looking white people, I guess. Not a lot of not a lot of color on that show. Now, what are your thoughts on estuaries? <sighs> hard to say. Uh, hard to say estuary, but I I like them. They're li- they're like a fancier stream. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, <laughs> you want to get into Aleppo here? <laughs> yes. I guess that was a great transition. We're gonna go from talking about estuaries and like joking to being like everyone is dead. As of Wednesday, Syria's city of Aleppo was back under the control of the regime and Bashar al-Assad. 250,000 civilians remained in the formerly rebel-held eastern part of the city at the end of November. Now a tenuous ceasefire, peace deal, you know, dicey, between Syria, Russia, Iran, and Turkey will hopefully allow thousands to leave the city, which is in ruins. I have quotes in the email here. You feel? I feel like you're trying to say something here, Jack? Yeah, it just bothers me how many times I see ceasefire and then ceasefire is uh, broken. Yeah. Well, yes. It's, yes, it's a devastating situation. Yes, yeah. it's it's disappointing. Well, it's, I mean, it goes beyond disappointing, and you also have to put it into the context of Russia back Syria. Uh-huh. Trump, obviously, I mean, obviously, on some level, is very friendly to Russia. Um, and Assad said that Trump is a natural ally. So know that when you're seeing kids get killed and you're seeing all this devastation, our president, the guy that's going to take office January 20th is more on the side of, of those kids getting killed than against that. Right. I mean, that's the only way to look at it until he says otherwise. It doesn't seem like he's going to say otherwise. Muhammad Abu Rajab, who's a Aleppo doctor. He said this Aleppo is being destroyed and burned completely. This is a final distress call to the world. Save the lives of these children and women and old men. Save them. Nobody's left. You might not hear our voice after this. It is the last call, the last call to every free person in this world. Save the city of Aleppo. Rami uh, Adam, who's a Syrian humanitarian worker in Finland. He has friends in Aleppo. This is what he said. People are dead all over the ground everywhere. Nobody has the chance to even pull those dead people from the streets to even bury them. It's a mass genocide. Jeffrey Mock, Amnesty International spokesman, he says, these appear to be war crimes and should be brought onto international tribunals for investigation as war crimes. Ben Ki-moon, who's the UN Secretary General, says, we do not have accurate data on the number of people that remain because of all the health entities capable of counting the living or the dead have effectively dissolved in the chaos. 
And an anonymous Aleppo doctor left a voice message. I, I don't know. It was just in the article. Left a voice message that said, save us. Save us. People. World. Anyone who has even a bit of humanity. We beg you. We beg you. The dead and wounded are in the streets. And people's homes have collapsed on top of them. Save us. Save us. That's the situation in Aleppo. And I say it because it's this is what's happening there. We're, we're, we're saying what is happening. It don't avert your eyes. This is really what's going on there. What could the United States do really? The only thing in my mind that we can do is try to get supplies in there to people that need help, which is extremely difficult. I don't think military action or anything is going to help there. And obviously it's a little bit late at this point. Accepting the refugees is really what the United States could do and playing a bigger role in that and trying to have the right rhetoric and get the world community to get involved. That I, to me, that's the only thing we could do. And obviously that's not going to happen. And that's a crime. You know, I mean, we're really, this is, this is war crimes going on in, in Syria. And that's something that needs to be prosecuted. Trump would have to lead a charge on that potentially. I don't think he's going to do that no. either. So that's the thing. I don't know what that we could have done anything to, you know, maybe there's things you could have steps you could have taken along the way to try to stop this work better with Russia or work harder against her. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the deal is, but after the fact, accepting the refugees, not taking a hard stance against these people as though they're, they're ISIS or they're terrorists. These are civilian people that got caught in a war zone between rebels and regime. And you have the resources to get out. Yeah. They know the resources to get out and they, they don't have the, yeah, they don't have anything now. The, the city is destroyed. There's nothing there. And if they don't, if they don't choose a side, they're assumed to be on the other side by everyone. Yes, so and that's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yes, a hundred percent. If you speak English, you're fucked. If you're a doctor, you're fucked. If you're in the, in these rebel held areas, and you're like you said, you're not on a not on a quote team, um, you are against the regime. That is how they're taking. Well, it. and well, like the problem with the, with war crimes like this is, it there comes a balance of where, like the world tries to stop them, but if it's between if uh, Assad has to choose between winning the war. Or not committing war crimes, oh, he's go, like the like if he's going to do what's in his best interest, and if he if he like he'll deal with the consequences later, and if he sanctions or whatever, but if he's he stays not, in power, he's he, not going to stop him. He's not. He's so not like, going to get convicted of anything. So the only ways to really stop war crimes like these are like have the consequences be severe enough and actually be willing to go in and stop a man like that, or go into the war yourself. And it's there's no clean way to do it, and that's it's an ugly truth. Absolutely, it's a very ugly truth. No, for sure. Like I said, though, part of the, you know, in the wrap up of it, maybe it'd be better if our president didn't seem like, quote, a natural ally of the guy that committed these war crimes. You know what I mean? And that's Trump hasn't necessarily said anything about it um, since he got became the president elect. So we'll see what he says. But you got to assume if he's tied up with Russia and Rex Tillerson is these ties to Russia and whatever, you know, Russia just is this specter looming over the country, then you know, where do you think it's going to go? What side do you think we're going to fall on that? And then the United States is really in a dangerous position because parts of the Middle East, most of the Middle East, I guess, and, and parts of the world view the United States already as a, as a, a bad cop, as a monster in the world. Uh, what happens when we actually become that monster? You know what I mean? When we really actually are supporting these atrocities where instead of even paying lip service to the Arab spring or what we could do in Egypt and all this stuff, what happens when we are not doing that? When we're when we're actively being like, listen, we got to leave the strongman in. It's not good. And I know that that might. I don't want to say the right thing, but it's like the strongman. 
you understand what I'm saying. But the problem is when we're actively out there saying that when the rhetoric isn't peace and let's be kind to these people and let's do what we can, when it's the other way around, then, you know, we're, we're living in a very dangerous situation, I think. I mean, Gotcha. I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, it's been dangerous from the it's your show, Joey. You fucking say what you want. Thank you. I'm, I'm it, sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. It, it's been dangerous since day one because there's been this apathy from all the other countries. It's like no one gives a shit. Well, there's really not. Been so how can we have a sense of urgency if everyone's apathetic towards it? That's the thing. Uh, you know, Western countries have been sort of apathetic. Germany's been involved. Uh, France, which I'm going to say to an extent, but it's more Middle Eastern countries. Saudi Arabia has taken people in. I think. I believe you can look it up like where Syrian refugees have been re- relocated, but I want to say Turkey has three, three million refugees, like yeah. middle Eastern countries are doing what they can. They're stepping up to try to take some of these people. Now it's not necessarily great that these, you know, the refugees are being treated perfectly, but they are in safer territory, Iraq, even, but they're out in the desert. Uh, people are in Greece. It's the United States. That's really not doing. I mean, we're really not doing anything. And for Germany is honestly the only truly Western-minded government that is uh, you know, anything. taking a lot of people. Yeah, they took 600,000 people. France is taking a lot, though, as well. Canada has some. Uh, France has removed more than one million love locks, they're called, from the Pont Neuf, 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 over the last 18 months, 65 tons of scrap metal. It's a bridge in the city where people go and they put a lock, like they put a padlock on this bridge uh-huh. and it's symbolized their love and blah, blah, blah. It's going to collapse the bridge. So France is like, we got to start taking these down. So wow. they took 65 tons of scrap metal over the last 18 months. They're going to sell 10 tons of the locks and give the proceeds to refugee organizations and groups and huh. the refugees in general, which is great. And Paris turned off the lights of the Eiffel Tower on Wednesday in solidarity with Aleppo. We couldn't turn the lights of the... Nothing. We can't do anything even symbolically. Nope. Nope. And it really is. It's criminal. It's crazy that Obama's not out there doing anything now. You know, he's not saying anything. Hillary lost. No. Uh, so, yeah, the, the refugees, like Turkey has 2.7 million. Right. Uh, then Lebanon with 1.5. Jordan after that. Then the first European country is Germany. Right. Germany, mm-hmm. Greece, and then back to Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, it's a lot of the middle. Like, they're going to. Yeah, like they, they don't have the money to fly to Europe. They have no. The they're just trying to get out. Of course, well, get yeah, because anywhere it's, that's safer than where they are. Yes, it's literally leave or get killed. And let's talk about this. So now you got these people from Syria. They're in Lebanon, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. What happens to them? The, because are they going to be assimilated into those societies? Maybe. Probably not. And if they aren't, now you're talking about. Gener- a generation of kids that grow up as refugees, they feel rejected even more by the West. What happens? They where don't does have that? A home. Well, yeah, but where does that ideology go? They're not getting educated. They're not going to school. They're around wherever. You know what I mean? So that's another concern. And that's maybe you frame it in that selfish term of like, we can't allow people to be lost because they're going to be found by somebody that is does not have the right intentions for them. And that's the problem. We see it even in our own you know, inner city neighborhoods yes. or places that don't, if you're left to your own device, if you feel like you've just been abandoned by the society, you're going to find a way to fit in, in your own way. You know what I mean? But, but that's not productive for the rest of society. You're going to turn to crime and violence and whatever that's going to, ha- that's happening. That's going to happen with these refugees. 
I think in large numbers. And that's something that needs to really, it's very concerning. And how could you blame them too? That's the other thing. No, it's, you, like, it's an unfair burden on, on everyone involved. Like nobody, like it's a terrible situation. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure like on the whole, I'm, I'm never sure on the Sunni versus Shia thing, but like I, that alone will help make it worse to, Oh, of course. Like if, if, they're going into a country that has different religious beliefs in the theocracy, then yes. there's trouble. Well, and that's what you cling to. Like Obama said it, and he got caught shit for it. You cling to your guns and your religion. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is what you cling to when you don't have a job, when you, your parents have been killed, your whole city's been destroyed, you don't get to go to school, you don't have clothes, you don't have food. What do you What do you cling to? Hope. Yeah, hope. And you know who's going to provide that? Well, whatever religion or whatever, you know, somebody's going to give you some kind of ideology. Yeah. All right. Ohio abortion bill update. We talked about this last week. The fetal heartbeat bill, Mm -hmm. six-week ban, no exceptions for anything, health of the mother, rape, incest, no exceptions. On Friday, they passed another bill banning abortion after 20 weeks, which is five months, with no exception for rape or incest, although there is an exception for the health of the mother. Five months, 20 weeks, is several weeks shy of viability. The government can't ban abortions of non-viable fetuses. So this is going to kind of come in conflict with Roe versus Wade. So this is something that could potentially go to the Supreme Court or whatever it's going to... Convenient. Kasich, we talked about it, the moderate, uh-huh. he signed the 20-week abortion ban, not the six-week ban, but that's sort of a shell game they're playing where they put the heartbeat one out there and they're like, well, that's too extreme. I'll veto that, but I'll sign this 20-week ban. Yeah. That's compromise. Uh, it's not. You're still trying to outlaw uh, abortion. Okay, so... That's a situation that we're in in Ohio. Any thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, actually, there was something else that was part of that bill that they got passed, which I thought it was interesting. Yeah. They made it illegal. Oh, well, not maybe illegal, but they added measures to prevent the minimum wage from being increased. Yes. There was a couple of different things in there. Was it in that bill or was it just other bills that they passed like last minute? I think it was in that bill. Okay, well, right. So they prevent, right? They prohibit the minimum wage from being raised. They also like didn't choose to restrict the amount of um, the like businesses being able to buy for puppy mills. Yes. It's just like what the fuck? What are we doing? What is going on? Free market? Fuck that cocker spaniel! Like, what are you? What are you out of your mind? We know that. Okay. So right. So it's not. Yes. They're not just fucking with women. They're fucking with animals. They're fucking with you know uh, poor people. We you know. Yeah, but they're just gonna throw it in there just, just a, as an extra tab. A smorgasbord of vulnerable uh, communities. Well, the, the the government likes to view uh, all poor people as some sort of women because they're just below them. Clearly, that, oh, that, that, that that's just what the government feels. You know what, Matt? I do not endorse that type <laughs> of talk on this program. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right, the typo that changed the world. I knew when I said that Joey lit up. Yes. You're excited about this. Uh, shows you how easily the entire well can come crumbling down. You you should take note of that because you're notoriously... A, I'm a horrible speller. Yeah, you are. Yeah. According to the New York Times, hackers were able to access 60,000 of Clinton campaign chair John Podesta's emails because of a typo by campaign aide Charles Delavan. That's going to go down in history. That's going to yeah, well, be in textbooks. It, it's an extremely interesting thing. So, let's, so this is what happened. One Clinton aide working with Podesta, so, Podesta saw an email in his inbox, in Podesta's inbox. Okay, so uh-huh. the aide sees an email in Podesta's inbox in March claiming to be from Google. It says, somebody has your password, change your password from the Gmail team, and it has a box that says, click here to change your password. Okay? So this aide goes to computer tech, 
working for the campaign, Charles Delavan, he replies, and hold on, I have, I have his actual reply right here. He goes, Sarah, this is a legitimate, this is a legitimate email. John needs to change his password immediately and assure the two-factor authentication, uh, authentication is turned on his account. He can go to this link, and then it gives him like the Google security link, to do both. It is absolutely imperative that this is done as soon as possible. You know what the problem was there? He claims he meant to type illegitimate. Uh-oh. So this guy, Delavon, claims that he meant to write, this is an illegitimate email. So he was missing an I and an L? Well, and an N. This is the other, because he goes, this is a legitimate email. If he's writing illegitimate, it would be, this is an illegitimate email. So I don't necessarily believe Uh-oh. him. I think it's full shit. I, I mean, don't, I wouldn't judge him on his grammar based on how his spelling works, so. No, I think it's. I think I, you you wouldn't fuck up that way. It would say an legitimate. I'm just saying he might not. His spelling and grammar might not be the. Maybe. Uh, well, okay. So anyway, so that's what he writes back to Sarah, who's the the aide that that was in Podesta's email. So and she, click she clicks on the change password link. It was it was supposedly Russian. It was a phishing attack, and then then they gained access to his account because they have his password. Sixty thousand emails. Yeah, well, and arguably the thing that you know could have swung the a lot. A lot of this shit came out, and people became disgusted by it. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting, right? Be fucking careful. They're not going to send you a pass anything to change your password. Just know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if something was wrong, Google will get on the horn right away, especially if it's fucking the DNC, or uh, you know anyone who's that high ranking official in the government. Well, how would they know? They're not supposed to be Ooh, tracking anything, you know what I mean? So that's, that's a good the other, that's the other issue. Um, anyway, all right. So that, but that goes to the point of like, should we be spending way more money on cyber? No, maybe you just get them a, a, you know, a spell check, because that's what could have fucked this whole thing up. Again, I don't necessarily believe him because the an a thing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, okay, get, get more competent IT. Yeah, right. That's how they got in. They didn't have to do anything really creative. That's no. that's a quick thing that they do. Well, like that's the easy, like the simplest thing is like I could do that. It's, it's, I can't do that, but you know what I mean. It's like yeah. I could figure it out. But but it's the kind of stuff that's like targeting grandmothers and stuff that's like right. like like oh they're so they don't understand how the internet works. You you're getting you're this is kind of too important to have just have it fall apart this easily. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, I feel like we got a nice. This is a good show. This it's is one of our show. better best shows in a while. I feel like you're welcome. Yeah, because Matt's back. Uh, Trump administration update. You ready for this uh-huh. now? Before we get into the Trump stuff, I want to put out this little bit of information. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates for the second time in 10 years on Wednesday, which is a big sign of economic expansion. I want to put that out there before Trump takes office because it's going to be like, look what I did. I think the economy is going very well right now. Okay. Uh By all measures. Uptick. The economy. Yeah, it's just good. The economy's steady. They raised interest rates. That's a that though these are all identifiers that the economy is doing well. We can let people on the right pretend that that's not the case. But these are facts. All right. We're gonna try to be based on fact. Like historically, these are the things that we measure how well the economy's doing. And apparently the economy's doing quite well. So understand that and you know, don't let Trump take credit for it. If it gets phenomenally better than fine, then he can take credit for that. If it tanks, he's gonna have to take responsibility yes. for that. Well well, the economy is always a trailing indicator, but like the people who are there right now like to take credit for it. But like Obama, Obama came into an economy that was Bush's, and it took it, just now as his actions are starting to show the recovery. Yeah, like, but it's be, worked. And like, the problem is such a trailing indicator that you can destroy the economy and leave it to the next guy, and he gets blamed. It's right, a, right, right. So it's like people like to give a little bit too much credit to the presidency in general, but 
it should always, it shouldn't it's never the what you're doing now it's what you're doing now will affect it three or four years from now. yeah no that's a fair point but right okay that's fair but i think trump's gonna be in for eight years if i gotta be honest oh god okay. oh. wow really yeah uh you just had to depress us here chris sorry right, i do I, I that's my feeling right now we'll see we'll see mm-hmm. president-elect donald trump has only gotten one presidential intelligence briefing a week on average i have a video of the president-elect on fox news sunday discussing why that would be the case all right and i gotta tell you this concerns me quite a bit because the last president who didn't really take presidential briefings too seriously allowed 9-11 to happen by by not taking oh. those briefings too seriously well you can all you want oh. but that's the case go ahead play it right yes all right, hold on. Let me get to the point. So this is uh, President-elect Donald Trump talking to Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday. It is, but who knows? I don't know either. They don't know, and I don't know. I just want to ask you about your skepticism about the intelligence community. You are getting the presidential daily brief yes. only once a week. Well, I, I get it when I need it. But is, it, is there I, some know, skepticism? I, first of all, these are very good people that are giving me the briefings. And I say, if something should change from this point, immediately call me. I'm available on one minute's notice. I don't have to be told, you know, I'm like a smart person. I don't have to be told the same thing and the same words every single day. Meanwhile, that's like cosmic brilliance that when he goes, I'm like a smart person. And the, bell the elevator goes bell goes off. It's like false. Uh, well, well, he said he's like a, a smart person. He didn't say he is a smart that's person. True. He is, he that's is a like great, a smart person. He is like a smart person. That's true. That is really true. That's a big distinction. The next eight years, could be eight years, but eight years. I don't need that. But I do say, if something should change, let us know. Now, in the meantime, my generals... Okay, yeah, no shit, being- bro. We're going to let you know. You're the president. <laughs> you have to make the decisions. Yes, you, we're he will let- get a text message. It's yeah, we'll okay. tell you, yes. Briefed, and Mike Pence is being... DM me. Slide into my DMs. Let me know. No, no, no. Shh. Before you say anything, uh-huh. this is the most important aspect you need to get. What he's going to play and say right now. Go ahead, play it. Briefed, who is, by the way, one of my very good decisions. He's terrific. Pence. Yes. And they're being briefed, and I'm being briefed also. But if they're going to come in and tell me the exact same thing that they told me, that, you know, it doesn't change necessarily. Now, there'll be times where it might change. I mean, there'll be some very fluid situations. I'll be there not every day, but more than that. But I don't need to be told, Chris, the same thing every day, every morning, same words. Sir, nothing has changed. Let's go over it again. I don't need that. So what he said in plain English (laughs) for everybody, Mike Pence will be my filter, and that's how we're going to do it. Oh, sure. He's not interested. He's running it. Look, people have said for years... Let, we, America needs to be run like a business. Okay. Yeah. He's about to. Well, when he openly said that he's not going to be there every day, excuse me, that's what you were elected for. That's the job. Well, he also said, I'm not going to be there every day. I'll be there more than that or something. <laughs> He'd say something <laughs> crazy like that. But yeah. No, I mean, look, I, he, we're, I said it. I tweeted it on election night. We're going to find out really fast how much the presidency matters. He's going to be there like a Beatles song, eight days a week. <laughs> eight days a week, but possibly... Nine. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Depends. Um, yeah. So, okay. So that's Trump on the presidential briefing. I think that's dangerous. Trump has apparently chosen ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson for Secretary of State. Joe, did you do some extra research on Rex Tillerson? Yes, I did. Please inform the Samsonites of what you found. Uh, he's got a lot of dealings with Russia. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, but okay. But before you get into it. Yes. All right. He ran Exxon. Uh-huh. So... You would assume he'd have 
dealings with Russia. Yes. I think I'm doing I, I'm doing a lot of thought thinking about it, a lot of soul searching. Is it fair in a capitalist society? I'm not saying it's the necessarily perfect or anything, I'm just saying objectively in a capitalist society. Is it fair to criticize a successful by the measures of his company, a successful CEO for having dealings with places he has to deal with? Is it fair to do that? Because Shouldn't he be friendly with people that he works with? Is yes, that a sign of success? Job. Right. Yes. Okay. Now, I think it's bad <laughs> that we have, you know, an oil magnet or whatever, a guy that runs one of the biggest oil companies in the world, um, running, the, running the State Department. I think that's really dangerous. But we got to see what happens. Do you well, tell me what else you got there, Jim? Well, it's dangerous when you go back like three years to 2013 and the Kremlin gave Tillerson an order of friendship award. Yeah. So he's given an honor of being a friend to the government. So? To sell oil. I know. A lot of this stuff is... See, I've been doing... Because uh, it's constant with Russia now and, and all this stuff. What is the goal? You know, is... Really ranging from, is Russia trying to co-opt our government? Are they trying to have a, a stooge in office that they can control? Is it like, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I, and I don't know if this is just the appearance of a problem that isn't actually a problem or if it is a real problem. I don't know yet. And, but it does seem like obviously the deck is being stacked with people that are pro Russia. Yes. And beyond that pro Putin, which is a big difference. Well, to, to answer your question about like whether it's you can't judge him on like who he knows. I don't care what his business dealings are. I just don't think that makes him the most qualified man for the job. I don't think. Oh well. I, I don't think have this is not the kind of. I don't believe that just because you have money and because you've been successful in business makes you a good public servant. I don't think it makes you what this country needs. And I think this idea that I, I just get frustrated with the idea that oh, this is an, a pure meritocracy where. The more money you have, it means you're a better person. No, it means you're good at doing that one thing. It doesn't mean you're yes. good at leading nations. It doesn't mean you're good at diplomacy. I completely couldn't have said it better. I completely now, agree. Now, here's the interesting thing. He said about him being judged. There's a lot of Who said about him being judged? Uh, Matt just said about a person being judged. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tillerson is going to be apparently judged on one major attribute, and that is... His legacy on the deal he got done, which is known as the XTO deal. Back in 2009, ExxonMobil acquired XTO Energy, which is a natural gas provider, but $31 billion in stock. Right. So we don't know, but the outcome of how that affects the long-term gain is virtually what his legacy is going to be based on. Oh, okay. So natural gas. It's still out there, yeah. Well, look, the natural gas thing, it, you know, God, it's so, it's such, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting situation because we're battling Russia economically with this. You know what I mean? Our natural yes. gas is affecting Russia and it's affecting the price of oil. Russia, in turn, is trying to drill in parts of the Arctic and they're trying to, like, claim parts of the Arctic Ocean and all this stuff to you know be able to get to the the whatever methane and different things that are that are under the the ice up there it, which is a climate change issue to begin with um i i don't know man i'm i'm sort of like i don't i don't know how to fit from the perspective of i don't necessarily want um these corporate 
billionaires at mm-hmm. the head of the State Department for a variety of reasons, climate change and and jobs and uh, you know the decision making process. That I'm against that, but I don't. I really don't know where the Russian thing is is going. But it does seem like something is happening. I don't know if it's just the appearance of that or not. All right, here's something that happened: 2013 Global Security Forum. Okay, this is Tillerson. One of the most promising developments on this front is the ongoing effort for the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The 11 nations that have been working to lower trade barriers and end protectionist policies under this partnership are a diverse mix of developed and developing economies. But all of them understand the value of open markets to growth and progress for every nation. Yeah. Well, and that, well, first of all, Trump's against the TPP, right? Which is yes. not going to get into place. So it's interesting. A lot of these people that are being appointed were pro TPP. That's fine. Um, but yeah, it's the philo- It's this like free market kind of like pay lip service to free market idea. That is, uh, I think an inevitability that eventually we're going to, we were going to get to a point where, corporations through their CEOs or whatever will actually run the country. And we've talked about it repeatedly with the way that elections are financed and and how much influence these people have over the, the economy in general. Now they're actually in positions of pen. Now they actually are the United States. You know what I mean? The United States of Exxon. That's what we're dealing with here. Cause this guy's the secretary of state. He wields a lot of power. Um, and we'll see how much Republican, how like critical and how on top of this secretary of state they'll be, because the, certainly the last one that used to wear a pantsuit, they were, they mm. were, they were paying attention to what she was doing. Uh, question for you. Yeah. How do you feel about age? What, what, what All I don't right. Know. So Tillerson is 64 years old. Okay. ExxonMobil has a policy. Oh yeah. Where the company has a mandated retirement age of 65. Yeah. So when you hit 65... Right, you have to retire. You have to retire. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the man's personal finances, but I can't imagine he was too concerned about what he was going to do with his, his retirement. This No, I, think I, 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 don't, I don't think he's coming to the government for the salary. No, <laughs> I, I think the point of the policy... Like, I understand what you're asking. Like, Is that fair to make people retire at 65? I think the point of it is so that there is turnover of, of young gives young younger people opportunity. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's, and also, I think... It, it's probably not throughout all of Exxon. It's probably through like their corporate, you know, well, well, it, structure, it, like the head, you know, people that are in positions of power. Well, in the company. I, well my question is, is for Exxon, would it be, it, does it affect the CEO or does it affect the people in the field who are drilling that they don't want people past a certain age where they're going to become a liability? Oh, like, that's it, possible. Is it actually, too, yeah. hmm. does the CEO get affected by that? Because I feel like you have a guy on a board. Why would you like those? The, they like the cronies. They like the people have who right. have that. Yeah, I don't know. But it's an interesting thing. We'd have to look yeah. more into it. Uh, all right, good job, Joey. So we're gonna Thank keep you. Ryan it again. I I don't I don't know, but we're paying attention to it. Ooh ooh ooh! Can we do like the mandatory Samson like gold store system, where we make a board of all the uh, head of states? Yeah, good. You do it. And then every time they do something good, we give them a gold store. Sure, you could do that. Do okay, you, nice. Do you, you take one, do you take one away if they do something bad? Yes. We're gonna have a lot of <laughs> negative stars. Yes. <laughs> uh. Trump has chosen climate change denier and former Oklahoma Attorney General Scott Pruitt, who sued the EPA multiple times to head the EPA. Here's a quote from Scott Pruitt. Oh, God, no. The American people are tired of seeing billions of dollars drained from our economy due to unnecessary EPA regulations. Yeah, I'm sure the average American can name an EPA regulation. And I intend to run this agency in a way that fosters both responsible protection of the environment and freedom of American businesses. I wonder which one he's going to factor 
more. Uh, it I, I hate this like it's 1984 shit. Like freedom of American businesses, just like run wild, fuckers. Here you go. That's what he's gonna do. Well, like, you're can, not gonna protect the. He's gonna take the chains off. I mean, yeah. Anytime you throw the word freedom in there, it sounds better. Yeah, of course. Let's have the Freedom Patriot Act. That's like. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Trump has tapped obviously stupid former governor of Texas Rick Perry no. to head the Department of Energy, a department he famously wanted to eliminate in a move so cartoonishly ludicrous I have to assume we're dead and this apparent life rolling out in front of us is simply a jumbled collection of sounds and images randomly scattering into the void through the last dying breaths of our collective residual memories. Or he'll be great. Do you have that audio? Of what? Of what? Of them trying to take away the EPA. Nah, it was it was the famous thing during the uh, the debate. The debate. Well, well that, that's when he couldn't even name. He couldn't remember that one. Oh, is that, that the third thing he couldn't name? Yeah, and that's the thing he's now heading. Well, is, he, <laughs> <laughs> is he Chris? The problem he he, is he, he had already eliminated it in his head. He was yeah. one step ahead of him. Yes, it was so gone already. It didn't even exist. To him. He had yes. the spot. Like a lot of things in his head, I think they're all gone. Yeah, really. Uh, okay. Well, so anyway, so oh, that's great. Yeah, terrific. The cost of a Trump tweet. Donald Trump tweeted the other day. We're almost, we're just about done. The F-35 program and cost is out of control. Billions of dollars can and will be saved on military and other purchases after January 20th. Lockheed Martin makes the F-35, all right? Mm-hmm. It's $100 million a piece for an F-35. Yeah. Before the Trump tweet, the stock price was at $259.53. After the Trump tweet, Two. the stock price was at two hundred forty-six dollars, uh, losing about twenty-eight point six million dollars per character that he tweeted. So doesn't it bother Which I don't care anybody but, that we live in a world so volatile that you can throw up a tweet and twenty billion, twenty million dollars disappears? Volatile. It's the futures market. That's what it is. It's all all of the 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 real volatility in the market is based on like what is going. They're betting on what is going to happen, not what is actually happening. Yeah, but the problem with that is that doesn't reflect any form of labor or anything at all. It's sure. just Joey. It's why you, you putting up a tweet can't do that. It's why heads of state should not be on Twitter. Like oh. that, that's what it is. Like that's you can't do that. I can't do that. Well, is it different? Here's the thing. It's not shouldn't be on Twitter. It's the same if he was standing at a microphone. And he said that. That's why all thoughts should be calculated. Like everything a president says has to be very calculated, vetted by their staff. Like that's why you don't just have. They shouldn't be just. It could be. See, it's funny. I, I get. What, I get. I'm saying, saying historically, right. this is why everything is vetted entirely right. because. But maybe simple, it doesn't have to be. A simple word can change the world. Yep. And that is the date. Like he doesn't realize. He has not realized the power he wields yet. Maybe he does, though. That's the thing. Maybe he does know that. Where everybody's acting like he doesn't know. He knows. You don't think nobody's told him that? Uh, uh, to, to be fair to him, though, I do have. I personally have my misgivings about the F-35. So. Yeah, no, well, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, he's not necessarily wrong about that. No. It's just it's interesting that he's, uh, you know, he does have that ability to do it. It's just that's not how things should be handled. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, again, I don't necessarily give a shit that Lockheed Martin's making less money. Like that doesn't. But 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 is government going to run through Twitter and social media now? Is this the world we're living in? Good. Maybe people will fucking pay more attention to it. The problem is when they're tweeting articles that are complete bullshit, like the climate change. This is like, man, this is a god. This is a hodgepodge nightmare that we're living in. Uh, this is Donald Trump on locking up Hillary Clinton. He was at a, doing a presser or whatever. He's doing a. a rally the other day uh-huh. and we'll we'll just end with the you know we'll play this and we'll wrap yeah, up the show yeah it's total opposite let's see let's hear it unexpectedly it was like all of a sudden with president obama and michelle and bill and hillary and they were going to michigan no it's okay no they got it 
That plays great before the election. No, we don't care, right? But I said... <laughs> he goes, they're, they're going to lock her up. He's like, no, we're not going to do that. No. <laughs> that was bullshit. You know that. <laughs> uh, I love that because that's so honest. That's like a very honest moment. Where I, he's like, don't be stupid. We're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of did. Like, I found that I like that more than I expected just because, oh, yeah. I am lying. To, like, I was lying to you during the election. Like, yeah. that, that plays for the election. Well, Who cares I, about that now? Well, and he says it like, you did. Like, of course you knew I was lying. Like, I wasn't going to lock her up. Like, it, it was so, it's so brazen the way he says it. It's like, I can't even help but laugh at that. Yeah, of course. Well, but, I mean, that's like, look what you dummies fucking fell for. You know, I, mm-hmm. how many times did we say he's not going to, Hillary's not going to jail? No. She, didn't, she literally didn't even do anything enough to get charges brought. He's going to fucking bring charges and jail her. Get well, out and, of here. He and doesn't there's, care. There's also the president that, then what happens when the next guy comes in and sees, oh, you locked up your predecessor and you did all these horrible things. I'm going to lock you up. That's, well, why, that's, you, that's what, why you don't charge a former president. No, but that's what Obama Obama should have gone after Bush and Cheney and all those guys in Rumsfeld and really pushed for an international but, criminal court and then rolled back some of the powers. But to your point, but that's But did. that's why he won't because... He's done. He, it, people yeah. would get upset with the drone. Like he, yep. he, that would leave him vulnerable, and that's why no uh, president goes after the president before him. That's why Ford Ford pardoned Nixon. That's why. Yep. Well, because they don't roll back. They don't give. Once they get power, they don't hand it back. Even as altruistic a guy as Obama might have been, and you know, a statesman and a classy guy, and you know, somebody that I would much rather be the president right now than than Trump is going to be. But right, he still accepted mass surveillance and he accepted the drone program, and he, and you know, he expanded the, it. Didn't the, put any bankers in jail. So the, the, the only way an office loses power is if a different branch of government takes that power. Right. Right. Through checks and but which we've seen that that apparently is not going to happen anymore either. So, <laughs> no, because Congress doesn't even do what yeah, they the, want. The Supreme Court is slowly taking away power and siphoning it off themselves. Which yes, well, and when wait until uh, whoever gets nominated. Remember that's still looming out there. At least one Trump Supreme Court justice pick. So Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Please, Ruth. Please live for another four years. Please. Uh, fuck that. Make it eight, yo. It's got to be eight. Oh, ah. God. Uh, we'll see what happens. You made me feel so dirty with that, Chris. I just feel filthy when you say what? eight years. Oh, oh I, yeah. To me, the, because the economy is good, like things are good. Obama's leaving office. Things are good. A lot of shit can go down in eight years, but like you said, there's a delay effect. So Trump policies take a couple of years to get into place. takes a few years to feel that. He's got the carrier win. He's going to keep doing shit like that. He's not going to be held accountable. Republicans are in the, you know, they run Congress. Um, and the de- there's nobody, in my opinion, on the Democratic side that is a legitimate, like, I don't know if Bernie's going to run again. I doubt it. Biden's kind of hinted that he might, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's getting up there. Elizabeth Warren, I think, is I like Elizabeth Warren, but I think it's a dangerous pick. I don't know. Cory Booker. But there, I don't see anybody on the Democratic it, side right now that can legitimately make a run. It, it, it's too soon. Did you think Obama was going to no, win in 2004? Soon. Did you think Trump was going to win? I did win? think Obama was going to win. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. oh, back in, all the way in 2004? No, but in 2005, okay. six, I, I, I yeah, so, certainly so, have so, my eye on Obama. So give it a year or two to, before. Yeah. But it's like you, didn't, you wouldn't have predicted Trump from 2012. No, that's true, I guess. So no one, give, no. give it a few years and names will emerge. But I think it's as likely that he gets eight years as he only is a one-term president. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a 50-50 proposition. I think a man point. who can affect the economy so drastically with Twitter will do something stupid. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right. I think it was a good episode. Yes. I enjoyed that one. That was fun. Yes, it was. I just hope I, uh, I got some titles for you. I really do, too. You guys will know if Joey's not here next week or if there's no title. The title's just going to be I, Joey's 
off the show. God damn it, Joey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Samsonites, thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. As always, you guys can email us, mandatorysamson at gmail.com. Uh, we respond to all those emails, and I do my best to read the articles, even if I don't read all of them. I try to. But I respond to all the emails, and we'll read them yes. on the show if they're uh, pertinent to the con- conversation. Uh, you can go to soundcloud.com slash mandatorysamson. You can subscribe or follow whatever it is and leave a comment on the episode uh we respond to all those and have a nice after show conversation on there you can also go on itunes you can rate subscribe leave a nice message uh what else social media i'm at mansamp that's on everything snapchat twitter instagram so if you want to follow me and see what i'm talking about feel free to do so joey's at joey from jersey j-e-r-z-e-y and my man matt weiss matt d weiss on twitter is that correct that's correct i'll try to get i need to get a little bit better at using twitter yeah, just start talking to people. Just yeah. start, you know, yelling at Start having a conversation. That's what yeah. I love doing. There you go. Mm. Uh, I think that's it, right? Yep. We love you guys. We appreciate you listening to the program. We're going to be back next episode. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.